Movies and Booze on Moncrief. Brought to you by Lidl's award-winning wine range. Lidl. More for you. Enjoy alcohol sensibly. Visit drinkaware.ie. Dean McGuinness, Fanola Jones and Esther McCarthy join us uh, once again. Good afternoon to you all. Good afternoon. Hi guys. Uh, you're all there, fantastic. Dean, lovely to see you. I haven't seen you in God knows how it long. It is ages. Yeah, great to be back. Uh, yeah. it's, it's, I think it's looking at a year maybe since I've, I've, I've there, there was cast a... eyes on your gorgeous visage. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that probably you've psychologically blocked out the bit in between where you did cast eyes on me, but that's just a... Okay, uh, maybe. Therapy yeah. will sort that out. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> my eyes aren't that reliable as we know at the moment. Anyway, uh, so uh, we're, we're talking about fruit beers today and, you know, obviously people have strident views on this one way or the other. We've got, yeah, we've got a, a fruit beer and we've got a beer with um, fruit used as an ingredient. It's a wit beer uh, using lemon zest. Ah. So the first beer is a sour um, fruit ale, sour strawberry fruit ale from Popples Brewery in Sweden. And the second one is an Irish beer, uh, Whiplash uh, from Bally um, and it's Alma wit beer. Right. Okay. And and so so it's it's like a box. It's a wheat beer, is it? But they put a bit of it's, lemon yeah. zest in it. With with a wheat beer, um, usually what they'll use in uh, wheat beer is uh, things like coriander, and coriander can have a, a citrus flavour to it. In in America, they call it cilantro. And uh, if you, so uh, I only found out that the other day. Yeah. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You confused the hell out of me yeah. for quite some time because yeah. they were talking about cilantro. I don't know what cilantro yeah. is, you know. Um, so. So uh, that has a kind of a citrusy flavour. And in this one they're using, uh, with a wit beer, it's based on uh, beers the way that they would have been brewed um, uh, thousands of years ago where um, hops weren't used in beer. Uh, the first recorded use of hops is about um, around 11, 1200 AD. And it's uh, kind of the last 500 years that hops have been a, a standard staple in beer. Uh, but before that they would use uh, what was called Groot, which is a uh, herb and spices uh, in beer and that would provide yeah. uh, the kind of balance in the beer. So with a wit beer, it's a beer that's kind of based around herbs and spices and in this one they're using uh, lemon zest as the, the kind of... Uh, okay, how interesting. Have you ever drunk the like of this before? I'm full on oceans today and I love it like... Yeah, okay, good. Absolutely good. Glad you feel that way. Uh, Esther, is today one of those days that you've watched it so we don't have to? <laughs> Actually... I'm damning the much faint praise here when I say neither of them were as bad as I expected them to be. Um, that's kind of what, what you've got here. It's mad. It's the first time in a year that it's felt like a typical time of year because this is um, kind of the latter end of blockbuster season in the movie calendar, kind of late July into August when it tends to be a little um, a little bit quieter in terms of releases. Uh, you either get counter-programming movies geared towards adults or you get kind of the less decent um, blockbusters because blockbuster season tends to be much earlier in the year now it starts kind of the Maybank holiday weekend and the idea is that by late July into August we're all off swimming and uh, visiting relatives and stuff and we're not going to the cinema only maybe to get away from the hot weather would you believe in the States or in Ireland to get out of the rain Uh, so that's kind of the time of year you're looking at and The Forever Purge is um, the fifth movie in the Purge series um, based around I don't know how it's still going but based around Mm. the concept that um, that for 12 hours uh, one night once a year that you can commit whatever crime you like, even including murder. So 
I mean, that was always a wobbly concept because if you're nuts enough to go out for 12 hours of a year to kill people, you're probably not going to stop doing it when the um, deadline is, is over. Mm. And they take that year and they make a new movie out of it, basically. Um, you've got kind of these this mad crew of, of killers who are basically no longer following the rules and the, 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 hence the title The Forever Purge. This felt a bit like a documentary, to be honest with you. It's kind of, it's set amongst, you know, they're trying to kill Mexican people. They're alt-right. Uh, they look like the kind of lads who'd stormed the Capitol during a Trump um, uh, rally, let's say. So it's, a, it's kind of leaning in on that um, and, and trying to be timely and do something a bit different with the whole concept, which I thought was actually half decent, actually. All ah, right, OK, so we weren't like entirely flogging a dead horse there. I mean... They are, obviously. It's the fifth <laughs> movie. <laughs> I mean, it's going to become the, probably the Fast and Furious of horror. Uh, but I do like that they're trying to do something maybe contemporary with it. Um, right. To limited effect now, I'd say. To limited effect. Uh, and the Croods then, we've got a, a, new, a New Age, the second movie from the Croods. A huge hit when it came out, like... In 2013, it made a lot of money at the box office. I mean, I'm only puzzled as to why we've had to wait so long for a sequel because it took nearly 600 million worldwide um, and got an Oscar nomination. People really liked it. It was a bit a bit wobbly, the Croods, but it, the concept was nice. The characters were nice, nice and they had great vo- voice talent, um, like returning stars here like Nicolas Cage, Emma Stone, Ryan Reynolds. And I think this one's actually slightly better than the original because it's uh, the crudes are so they're prehistoric uh, tribe, uh, Sean, but they kind of break through this wall thinking it's the end of the world and they find a family um, at the other side of the wall who have evolved. They're fancier. Mm, they're called the yeah. better mans. Yes. And um, not subtle. They. They're very posh. I mean, they don't cover their mouths when they belch. Uh, so there's a bit of kind of um antipathy towards the the crudes i suppose and that's you know it's a one joke film but it's a good joke i'd say right okay uh simon texted him to say i think it must be a sign of me getting old that there are a whole series of films that not only have i not seen i've never even heard of them uh, uh the purge obviously is uh, is one of those uh but you'll find out all about it simon you might uh, we'll see might you change your mind or not uh anyway fanula uh we'll we'll cover Two people, mm-hmm. uh, because it seemed to have emerged this week that both Matt Damon and James Gandolfini had made poor decisions in their careers and, and everything was disastrous for them. Yeah, lost out on big, big money, the two of them. So Matt Damon is on the promotional tour for Stillwater at the minute. He was a can. That was another one that got um, a big standing ovation. And it was brought up about, because I think he has spoken about this before, but not in detail. He was essentially offered the lead role in Avatar before. James Cameron came to him and was like, look, I really want you. I could get an unknown actor. But if you take the role, I'll give you 10% of the earnings. Matt Damon basically said, no, we all know what happens next. Avatar goes on and makes millions and squillions, $2 mm. billion dollars worldwide. Which means he, Matt Damon would have gotten about... $200 million okay. um, but he didn't because he said no and he said it's probably going to go down in history as that actor who turned down like the most amount of money ever So, Did he explain why he turned it down? 
I think he was I think he was in the middle of doing more born bits I think so he was kind of tied up with that right okay I don't think he has any massive regrets about not doing it bar the financials like yeah. he was he dodged a bullet not doing that I think like can you name the person that played the lead role in Avatar I can because I've done my research but let's yeah. put it to the floor here I can't but he has been in other films Sam Worthington yeah. Sam Worthington he yeah, has he was been in, in other things yeah. I'm not having a dig at Sam Worthington but yeah. like this is the thing we know Matt Damon he's a household name Sam Worthington not so much no but then again, Matt Damon was probably more of a household name then than Zan mm, Worthington. He had a leg up already. That's fair. I'd say Matt Damon has a few bob anyway, like the 200 he's million. Fine. Really. You he's know, fine. What's he going to buy with the extra money? He has a, a house in Ireland probably at this point. Uh, I don't know if he has, but I think like, you know, he's like like uh, uh, the 21st century version of the Virgin Mary that mm. he appears here regularly now. <laughs> with That's the super the value buy. And they'll have little shrines uh, erected <laughs> to him. And James, James, now this is actually just a weird one this, because I can't see this at all. This genuinely shocked me and little shocks me at this point. But yeah, basically we had uh, Soprano stars Michael Imperioli and Steve Sherpa. They were on a podcast recently speaking with... Um, Ricky Gervais, obviously the creator of the UK office. And they were talking about how when Steve Carell left the lead role in the US office, James Gandolfini was actually offered to take over, not obviously like replace Steve Carell, but you know the way in those later series. Yeah, Yeah. they had different people come in. He was offered um, that role essentially and HBO paid him to turn it down. So he was offered like uh, four million, four million to replace Steve Carell. HBO paid him... Uh, three million not to do it. And he based, I think James Gandolfini didn't want to do it anyway because I think he wasn't doing a lot of work at the time. But he, I, again, that was a poison chalice, I think, because if you talk to any Office fans about those later series, hated them. Hated them. Right, like, okay, good Not one. good, yeah. I don't, has James Gandolfini ever done any comedy? Not that I'm familiar with, but I'm sure there's a listener yeah. that's going to correct me. So Yeah, yeah, no. But this uh, is the thing, it might have been that role that could have pivoted him into that, but I don't think so somehow. But this is, this would be, this would be post Sopranos, would it? Yes, or, yeah. Or, or, or concurrent with Sopranos. I think either jo- very soon post or concurrent to the end. Yeah. Ah, right. Okay, but then you can't see him as anybody else. No, but that it's, then really. You even know? when we're visualizing it now, it's just it's so oh, wrong. No, so yeah. wrong. And I mean, they could do a running gag with everybody being terrified of him, but then how long is that one gonna last? Yeah, probably that's the thing. longer than a lot of the gags they did towards the end of that mm. series. Anyway, right. So what beer should we drink first? So eh? we're tasting the Popples uh, Sour Fruit Ale. It's a strawberry. Uh, sour fruit ale so with um, fruit flavours uh, there's kind of three elements to fruit flavours uh, there's a lot of fruits are sweet some are sour so lemon lime will have an amount of acidity to it strawberry tends to be a sweet um, fruit it tends to mm, yeah. have more uh, sugar flavour to it um, the second element of the fruit flavour is the technical element so it's the strawberry flavour and in all cases it's described as the fruit flavour so yeah. lemon flavour is lemon strawberry flavour is strawberry banana flavour is banana I wish that it could be more sophisticated than that but there's no <laughs> no other real language to, to do it and then with certain flavours um, of fruit you have a kind of a secondary element to to them so cherry for example can have a bitter flavour if uh, you get some of the of the pith from the cherry or sometimes almond 
a grapefruit tends to have a bitter um, flavour and that's bitter as opposed to acidic because it has a citric uh, acid flavour as well. With this uh, beer, it's a beer that's fermented as a sour ale. So it uses a Brettanomyces fermentation. Normally, um, beer is fermented with yeast, uh, Saccharomyces cerevisiae, which is brewer's yeast. And that converts the sugar into alcohol and carbon dioxide and into different flavours. Um, with this, you've got another microorganism called Brettanomyces or Brett. And that gives it that kind of sour flavour. Now, the sour flavour generates flavours that are nothing to do with the fruit that's added into the into the beer. So there's a kind of a lime flavour on the palate when you drink it. But mm. when, when you smell this beer, pure strawberry. Yes, it, yeah. Really intense yeah. strawberry flavour. And kind of perfectly ripe strawberry because strawberry kind of ranges from green strawberry, which is a little bit uh, kind of bitter, to, through to a nice ripe strawberry where it's got a level of sweetness through to as it ripens more, it tends to get more and more sweet. It's just at that point of perfect ripeness that you're getting that type of flavour. Now, there's a kind of a balance between that strawberry and lime flavour. And uh, that's something, it's a trick that they sometimes use in fruit smoothies. So if you look at uh, uh, the ingredients on some fruit smoothies, it might be a strawberry and banana smoothie and you'll see that there's 2% lime juice in it. (laughs) And it provides a bit of balance to it. So they've done that. It gives gives the thing. Now, the the effect of it is it makes your mouth incredibly mouth-watering. So if you take a mouthful of this beer, take it into your mouth and let the beer slide over the sides of your tongue. Okay. What you'll find... I have to do that now. Is, yeah. <laughs> what you'll find is that the acidity of the beer will kind of really intensify and then your mouth mm. will start watering like crazy. Crikey, yeah, you're not kidding. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, that's that kind of... Oh God, watering. it's like having a sour sweet, you yes, know, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, that you tend yeah. to pick up that sourness on the side mm. of your tongue and then the other thing that happens is that it triggers your mouth to uh, to salivate so it, it makes it really mouth-watering. So as you're drinking the beer normally what will happen is it'll kind of almost bypass the sides of your tongue but pick it up as you go by but when you do that it it, it really intensifies the sourness and you get it but lovely beer Popples Brewery um, from Sweden uh, they've really established a, a great name for themselves they're doing a range of uh, different craft beers and have, have made a very good name for themselves in terms of the beers that they're uh, doing and these come in a tin uh, yeah, um, they do both bottle and cans. Um, the, uh, this particular one is in a can and they've got a, a New England Pale Ale, New England IPA in a can, an IPA in a can. And then they've got a, a range of other beers and bottles as well. Right. Um, but yeah, with um, there's a, a thing about cans. Uh, uh, one of the things now, not so much with this, with this beer, there's, there's pretty much no bitterness whatsoever to it. Now, when I say that, that causes confusion a little bit. Sometimes people think of the acidity as being bitter. Um, but it's sour, so it's it's uh, a, mm. an acidic flavour as opposed to a bitter flavour. Uh, if it was bitter, you'd pick that up at the back of your tongue, and it's the type of flavour that you'll get in a, a stout or in a, a, a Czech Pilsner or something yeah. like that, that it's a, a flavour that develops. There's virtually no bitterness in this, and, and hop character isn't a, a real feature of the beer. But with uh, beers that do have uh, hops in them, um, when that beer is exposed to light, the um, light can change the hop flavour into a flavour called skunky, uh, which is literally the flavour that you get when a skunk sprays you. Yeah. And uh, it's one, I, I think, either the uh, the most or second, uh, the, the flavour that humans are either most or second most sensitive to in the world. Uh, we can detect it uh, literally if you were to line up the entire population of the world and get about five, ten people to stand out in a corner and you were standing out in space looking down, you'd be able to pick them out on the basis of that thing. That 
that's how much concentration of this you need uh, to be able to detect it. Um, the funny thing about that, though, is that because it's so intense, it's a, a flavor called 3-MBT-3-methyltributene-1-thyl. Uh, I was just going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, people call it skunky because it's easier. Um, but it, it's characteristic of some beers. Any beer that's in... Um, clear glass or green glass uh, you tend to get it but when it's in a can because the sunlight can't get at the beer it protects the beer from it so that's the right, reason why okay. cans are uh, and what's popular. the ABV on them? ABV 4.5% on it so it's, right. it's okay, reasonable that's, yeah, that's reasonable it's, it's uh, not, a, not kind of I won't ask Fanula what she thought of it because she's been necking it back all the time and been drinking so so nice so so nice uh, um, now we will be talking about whiplash beers already they're generating a little bit of controversy. Uh, I love Whiplash. Uh, haven't ever tasted a bad beer made by them. A really a great small Irish brewery. Their Belgian style beer is a, is extraordinary. That's uh, nothing controversial there. Uh, though somebody else says, I don't mean this disparagingly because I really like their beers. But Whiplash are the hipsterest of all the beers. I was in a well-known cafe in Dublin having my avocado toast and I happened to mention that I went to school with Alex, the brewmaster. A load of beardy guys around me started asking me questions about him like I'd met Jesus or something. So uh, they are hallowed. Uh, those beers would have Al Murray's uh, pew landlord spinning in his grave. It's meant to be beer for the man fruit based drink for the lady yes indeed uh, lots of what did uh, what ja- uh, James Gandolfini was in he plays Winston ba- uh, Baldry in The Mexican with Brad Pitt and Julia Roberts he was a comic character in that movie and played it excellently I think it would have been fantastic in the office but we'll never know uh, uh, says Owen uh, the uh, James Gandolfini had a starring part in In, in the Loop with the movie version uh, in, the, in the BBC comedy series about politics he plays an American army general uh, says Stephen and uh, Rodney says Matt Damon was, prob- was probably well to do before he lived in Dorky that place had fucking robbed you so, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, Esther Washa slip of the tongue there by me Esther Washa <laughs> what film would you like to talk about first um, I think we should talk about The Forever Purge there Sean right see we'll, what you just said. Uh, we'll talk about The Forever Purge after this <laughs> hey, we just watched that a lot of cities have gone dark Miami's gone. Austin is under siege. First responders are overwhelmed. We're in a state of emergency. It's all over the country. The violence is spreading and not stopping. Due to the waves of violence currently sweeping the U.S., Mexican President Leon Garcia Soler and Canadian Prime Minister Sophie Kouesh are opening their borders for the next six hours. Mexico and Canada will take in anyone from America unarmed and give them sanctuary until order is reestablished in the U.S. We gotta go to Mexico. After six hours, both borders will be closing indefinitely. There you go. That's uh, The Purge. This time it's purgier. Uh, so, uh, Esther, uh, it in kind of takes into uh, account right-wing politics. Oh, yeah, totally. And I mean, I know it has to... F- fall within the genre, the conventions of the genre, and I know what it, it what it is, but I would have loved a bit more satire in this because it's it's ripe for it. As you hear heard there, the uh, Mexicans are taking in the Americans, you know. Uh, so it's very timely, very purgier, as you say, and it's kind of leaning into, it's always kind of leaned into the alt-right and the far-right thing anyway, because of the very concept of the first film, which was a huge hit, by the way, which is why we're still getting them. Um, the, you know, the concept of the first film was that uh, you had 12 hours government sanctioned 
by an anonymous kind of group called the New Founding Fathers of America. So that language has always been Mm. in the Purge films. Um, And they kind of had an amnesty where 12 hours, one night per year, people could commit whatever crime they they wanted. So the idea was that you kind of locked yourself up, up, the bad guys are coming to get you kind of thing. And, you know, people preyed on vulnerable people in the first film. It was kind of nasty in some ways like that. Um, but it's always kind of reflected the darker side of human uh, humankind, I suppose. So if you're going to do a Forever Purge movie and, and have a, you know, a lawlessness where the following the purge, the, the families and workers and, and, and people go back about their daily lives and get attacked. That's kind of the right way to do it, I think. But I would just have I think there was um, it's falling between stools this in, in it's raising lots of interesting ideas um uh, but not really following through with them so what you've got is uh i suppose there's two mexican migrants who are uh, major characters in this one uh they are living and working in texas uh working on the ranch of the very wealthy tucker family who people will know from the previous films um and that family pat- patriarch is played by will patton who's celeb and he's kind of very impressed with his new workers um to the to the annoyance of his own son actually dylan who's played by josh lucas um who feels that they shouldn't be casually employing illegal immigrants um but soon but soon after with lots more than that to be worrying about sean because the following the night-long purge everyone's kind of relieved and feels safe and gets back about their daily lives only for this couple to come under attack by a masked group of killers um, so it's kind of broader as well. The other films were tended, tended to be set in a specific suburb or city. But this one is, as you say, Purge Era, which I'd come up with that because um, it's set all over the States. This is this is a kind of an organized movement um, of, of the far right. Um, and they are even though the crime, it, it's now illegal and there may be consequences, they're carrying out whatever they want anyway. And even the language of it, like it's it's kind of interesting at one stage, a character says, you know the the purification of america has begun america will be america once again i mean if that doesn't sound like a line that would come out of trump's mouth i don't know what is uh it's set in the future it's set in 2048 and um yeah that's kind of it like Mm. it's it's kind of moved but it sounds like it's moved off the central conceit of of the previous films and then it's usually set on one night of ultraviolence this is a yeah. film about right-wing people, you know, being right-wing people and, and killing people. Yeah, it's a documentary, as I say, Yeah, know, the times we live in. Um, but yeah, so so what you get is like good horror sequences. It's quite violent. There's a thir- an 18 search on this for good reason. Um, so you get, you know, people get lynched in all kinds of imaginative ways. And Ew. it has that kind of modern twist to it, though, I suppose, by making it uh, a what-if but grounding it in, in in kind of what's been our reality for the last few years, uh, I think it's very, potentially very interesting. And I was kind of going, I, I really don't need a fifth Purge film in my, li- my life right now, but I actually found the ideas in it quite interesting. And it's well executed as well, if you pardon the pun. And uh, yeah, it's grand. It's yeah, grand. okay. It's, it's an I mean, interesting choice to make, actually, given that uh, an, an awful lot of times when they're making movies, they're thinking, let's not antagonize one side or the other. I'm not saying that, that uh, half of the United States is filled with members of the Proud Boys, but, you know, there might be people kind of leaning in that direction uh, and uh, that cuts off that part of the audience. Uh, has there been any 
uh, controversy or protests around it or anything yet? Not really, no, no. I mean, I do, the reviews, the American reviews seem to be of my view that it's kind of a missed opportunity that they should have got edgier with it. Um, I suppose you could argue as well, do you want to watch a, fic- a piece of fiction that's so grounded in um, what our reality has been mm. at the moment? That That's questionable as well, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's it's. Grand. It's grand. Okay, it's this yeah. is this is in uh, the newfangled cinemas as well. I assume. Yes, it is. I I would have loved to just go full on zombie horror comedy with it if they were going to kind yeah. of mock a certain administration or satire them. You know, I think the potential. But then it wouldn't be a purge movie. I get it. Maybe somebody else will make one like that. Yeah. Uh, our hashtag, by the way, is iced movies. Uh, as I said at the start of the show, Magnum Force being an op- an obvious example. Wibbly wobbly Wonder Woman. Uh, a lot of people have done uh, uh, that one and many more. Uh, besides now the the bizarre most bizarro film announcement uh, I think is is Greta Gerwig directing the Barbie movie is this like Michael Bay doing Macbeth type thing is it bizarre I kind of feel like I I feel like doing a live action Barbie in general is bizarre but I feel like her doing this not so much I feel like this is a project she's been dying to get her hands on to be honest um, she's directing she's doing the script uh, Margot Robbie is playing the lead role um, is very excited about it um, filming in 2022 so we probably won't get it until 2023 so right okay but yeah, I, because I would have thought Barbie movie maybe something like the Lego movie but which would be great because the Lego be, movies are very good. The very Lego movies are very good, but but you know you you can't kind of or can you take the Mickey out of the central concept of Barbie? Now they do in the Lego in in the Lego movies. Is it in the Lego movies to take the Mickey out of Barbie? Which movie is that in? Barbie and Ken are in it. Um, Toy Story. That's Toy Story. Yes. yes. Sorry. Yes. Um, I I think you can, and I feel like that's kind of the track they're going down based on what uh, Robbie has said in interviews. She's kind of said. But well, people hear Barbie and they, they kind of already have this like preconceived idea of what the movie is going to be. Mm. But then you hear that Greta Gerwig is doing it and it's like, oh, well, maybe I actually don't have a clue. Um, they're actually working on it with um, Noah Baumbach as well. They did Marriage Story, that guy. Mm. So I don't know. Like, I'm, it's one of those ones where I'm like, I feel like it won't work and it shouldn't work. But I will go and see it anyway and maybe reserve judgment until I see it. But I don't know. There's a lot of talk about this. I feel like there's been we're nowhere near getting it and people are still just frantically talking about it and eager to see how they actually do it, you know? Right, okay. Yeah, no, I'd, uh, yeah, I'd be I'd be interested to see that given mm. the people are working at it because I would, you would have that preconceived notion it's just... And like, the Greta Gerwig and Noah are very good. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know. They I trust them. I trust yeah. them to do something with it but it's probably not what we're what expecting. What we expect it's going to be yeah. like. Let's hope not. But you see, I wonder about, you know, Mattel and all this. Would they be, you know, would they be very strict? Precious about, about it. Yeah. You, yeah can't I have, think, you can't have Barbie doing X, Y and Z. I think that's Swearing, where they... smoking. <laughs> I think that's where they could face roadblocks. But at the same time, they've been kind of, I don't want to say ahead of the curve, but they've kind of embraced social media and given Barbie that space on YouTube where she's like vlogging and talking about like mental health and stuff. So... Maybe I don't know. I oh, don't know. Maybe they yeah, they want to make Barbie all kind of modern and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm. Now, uh, Meghan Markle. <laughs> 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 Meghan Markle's working on an animated series. Yes, um, this is coming to Netflix. It's a series called Pearl, um, and it follows uh, its family series that centers on the adventures of a twelve-year-old girl who's inspired by a variety of influential women from history. This shouldn't be surprising to anyone because that Archwell Productions thing that she set up with Prince Harry—they kind of have loads of deals everywhere with Spotify and everywhere else. So this is kind of the first of a number of projects she's expected to do. 
But again, they kind of have like good people on board. Like David Furnish was obviously involved in Rocketman and Romeo and Juliet, that uh, incredible film. Uh, Caroline Sopper as well, who was uh, worked on Tangle. Liz Garbus, who worked on I'll Be Gone in the Dark. Um, Markle said in a statement, like many girls her age, our heroine Pearl is on a journey of self-discovery as she tries to overcome life's daily challenges. Um, so yeah, I yeah, but she has actually nothing to do with making these products. She's an executive producer. I would, I'd be very surprised if she's in there drawing them now, Sean. To be yeah. honest, herself. But yeah, it's just it's her name, it's her idea, her vision in inverted commas. But, oh, it's her yeah. vision. Is yeah. it? Yeah, she yeah. had a vision. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'd be, I, 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 I'd be less interested to see that uh, somehow or another. So uh, yes to Barbie, no to Pearl. Yes, yes to Barbie, go Barbie. <laughs> Okay, you're listening to The Moncrief Show on News Talk. We'll take a break. Uh, one more uh, movie, one more beer to talk about after this. There you go. That's uh, congratulations uh, uh, to uh, Kira Hamilton from Kulak, the winner of that 20 grand. A woman who seemingly was completely unfazed by the fact that someone from a national radio station rang her. Didn't seem to think there was anything strange about it until she mentioned uh, uh, the competition. Uh, anyway, stay tuned because next week we're going to give away even more money. Uh, Kira and Vincent will reveal all on News Talk Breakfast at 8am on Monday morning. I can't tell you how much money is going to be on uh, is going to be offered next week but I can tell you it's Kira Kelly's own money uh, so uh, that'll be very interesting uh, it'll be an unmarked bill so uh, look out for that uh, for breakfast next week uh, right okay where are we right what's our second beer today Dean so we're on to I'm a bit beer from uh, Whiplash so Whiplash is a brewery that uh, started out as a gypsy brewery in 2016 they were brewing with uh, other people's equipment and then set up their own brewery in 2018 2019 in Uh they've done a huge range of different seasonal beers and uh, one-off beers and this is one of the seasonal beers that they're doing it's called Alma Vitbeer uh, now the Vitbeer style it's uh, originally a Belgian style uh, brewed with uh, wheat and malted barley so you tend to get a kind of a crisp uh, bread crust um, uh, type of flavour to it as the mm. base and then they're using lemon zest now with lemon most people when you mention lemon they'll think of, of lemon juice the, um, what you might squirt on your pancakes or something like that and the lemon juice tends to be quite acidic uh, but the lemon zest is the um, the skin of the lemon and it gives a very zesty lemony flavour without the acidity so when you put that on the base of the bit beer um, the sweetness of the bit beer gets the, the lemon to come out kind of a little bit more like the lemon flavour that you'd associate with a lemon meringue pie or something like that or mm. a lemon tart kind of lemon curd um, again refreshing beer a little bit sweeter it's unusual the um, the sour fruit ale with strawberry you'd expect to be sweeter because strawberry is associated with sweetness but it's the yeah. sourness of the, of the ale that's giving the sourness on this one the uh, bit beer is giving an amount of sweetness and then the lemon flavour with it. But done a good job and it's a nice beer. Yeah, it's 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 sharper. You uh, you had your doubts. Have you come around at all? I, d- I don't think I don't think I have. I'm so sorry, Dean. I think <laughs> I, I feel like I should like the lemon, but there's something quite floral about it that I just I'm I love this pink one more. I love my keep my, I'll keep on my pink and sour, I think. Yeah, well actually though it should be because after drinking the really sweet one, that maybe makes that taste uh, potentially, more bitter. yeah, actually, yeah. Yeah, but actually, on the second slug, it actually doesn't taste that bitter at all. Okay, actually, well, I found. I'll, I'll try it again. It does for, actually. For science, it, it becomes a bit Moorish. Right. Yeah, I find it quite Moorish. It's yeah. it, it, there's a, there's a now lemon is an, an interesting flavour. It's um the third most popular flavour in the world. So we go from vanilla, coffee, and then lemon is the third most popular flavour in the world. Is it yes. right? So uh, in just in terms of when you think about it, like in terms of lemonade and things like that, and 
uh, you know, soft drinks based on lemon. Uh, you know, there's a hell of a lot of lemon in right. there. Right, that's interesting. Yeah. Did not know that. Uh, right. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'd love to know what proportion of films and TV shows are actually entirely original ideas not a spin-off from another movie, a toy or your favourite cleaning product at this stage. I feel like it's one in every ten. Uh, maybe close to a point because even when things are pitched, they have to say, well, it's a bit like the usual suspect crossed with that Barbie movie mm. that's coming out next year. You know, <laughs> they, they have to have a reference for something it's like rather than it's an entirely original concept. Yeah, totally. I'd say it's even now. less than one in ten at this point. Like, I feel like every time we're talking about a remake of something or doing yeah. something else or doing something with a twist so yeah more yeah, original well, stories please yeah well indeed which is uh, good to hear that we're going to move on now to an entirely original concept <laughs> it's The Croods A New Age here's a clip Bill are you okay? it's bad Grug I think I rolled my ankle you go on save yourself nuh-uh pack stays together bro 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 Bros. What the best bros? Bro FFs. Oh, banana bros. Bros. What are they doing? Hey, get your head to the gate. Yes, uh, that's uh, Stone Age people listening to Spando Ballet. Uh, right, Esther. So uh, um, I suppose maybe for people who don't know either film, uh, uh, what was the idea of the first one? And as if to prove your point, Sean, this is kind of a bit like the Flintstones if they made an animated version. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> uh, this was yeah, this is um this is an interesting one. I don't know how it's gonna find its audience because the first film introduced us to um this uh tribe of, of prehistoric uh characters no, known as the Crudacious, actually, the Crudes for short. Um and they were you know led by the family patriarch Grog, who's who's voiced by Nicolas Cage, and uh their characters but like Eep, who's voiced by Emma Stone, and Guy, who's voiced by Ryan Reynolds, they're all returning this time. Um but like the toddlers who would have liked this are now probably approaching their teenage years. So it'll be interesting to see mm. who goes for this. You know, it's a big animated release now. It's DreamWorks. The first film made a fortune uh, and it's following on from the events of that first film, which had the Croods and their pets who are looking for a permanent place to live and to survive. Um, and they, Grog is getting a bit worried about the blossoming romance between Guy and Eep because they're talking about separating from the rest of the group, which they've never done, which has never been done before. Um, but their problems get bigger anyway when they come across this kind of giant wall with lights on it, um, thinking it's the end of the world, only to discover that they've been the ones hidden in the jungle and the world has been evolving around them. So it's a nice idea. Um, they meet the better mans who are, you know, evolved but they're not quite on iPhones or anything like that they've figured out how to they've made you know they've made lifts out of straw so they don't have to um you know climb trees and things like that so it's full of nice ideas um the Leslie Mann is is the voice of Hope Better Man, who is the absolute snob social climber character um, who cringes every time there is a, a fart or a burp. And, and small people should be assured that there's plenty of fart and burp, burp jokes in this, okay, as there should be. That's a comfort. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so that's kind of the idea. It is a one trick film. Uh, like the first film, the narrative isn't as powerful as it would be, say, in a Pixar movie. Um, when is it, says you? They're just unique, the, the Pixar creators. But mm. what they have done here, and I always like when they get storyboard artists to step up and become directors because by the very nature of what they do, they're steeped in the power of storytelling. Um, and that's what Joel Crawford here, he, I mean, he knows these characters well. They've got all their quirks. So it is quite Flintstones-esque in that everyone has quite strong, strongly drawn characteristics, you know. But I just think the kind of arc of the story, not that a three-year-old will give a, a toss about that isn't quite there. Um, it's 93 minutes long, so it's not great in terms of um, babysitting cinema visit. Mm. Uh, a little short, but it doesn't overstay its welcome either, I suppose. And The Clash of Cultures is quite fun between the original tribe and their evolving um, neighbours, you know, so it's, the visuals are great, the animation is great. It's just like the first film, I think the, st- the concept's great, but the storytelling's not quite there. Uh, any sense that there might be a third one? Look, if it makes money, there will be. That's it. This yeah, is Hollywood. True. You know, yeah, it's as enough. simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, and and this, it has uh, already it has already come to life. I think as a TV series as well, which might oh. explain the delay in the second movie. Actually. Ah, uh, right. And this is in cinemas as well. This is in cinemas from today. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, I imagine because there's a relative shortage of films in cinemas anyway, especially new ones that you know people will just go. Yeah, and now you know the timelines of various. Um, lockdowns are starting to really make themselves evident now because this is like the old days. This was in the States about six months ago uh, when they were open under limited, under very limited um, access uh, or, or, you know, body count. Uh, So we were closed at the time that it released in the States just before Christmas. We had our meaningful Christmas. Mm. And uh, so that we're only getting it now for, for, for a summer release. You know, it's interesting to see how all that will go. You know, you're going to be looking for years, I think, a couple of years of uh, production schedules and release schedules being disrupted by all of this. You know, it's going to yeah, be um, mad, mad yeah. times. There'll be a lot of garbage watch between now and then, uh, one thing. <laughs> uh, 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 finally, and uh, even she doesn't have the brass neck to pretend she can actually cook. Or, uh, but, but Paris Hilton has a cooking show now. Yes, she's making her long-awaited return to television. Well, maybe long-awaited for me. I'm, I won't speak for everyone else. But yeah, she's got a cooking show called Cooking with Paris and it's coming to Netflix later this year. Um, And it's going to see her six half-hour episodes and she's going to be learning how to saute, sear and zest. Kind of comes off the back of, I don't know if anyone saw it, but she had a video go viral last year from her YouTube channel where... She's trying to cook lasagna, essentially. And oh, it's, yeah. If anyone just needs a laugh, like I would recommend going to watch that because she still has it. Like she just, she is a comedian in her own right. She's she's making out that it's so complicated and that she was able to do it earlier. She's wearing biker gloves throughout the whole thing, which is never explained. It's, <laughs> I honestly think this is going to be, and I know I've, I'm sure Paris Hilton is like a love or hate person for a lot of people, but this will be good mindless and I would say quite funny quite a funny watch right okay so I mean that actually sounds better if she's self-aware enough to kind of take the mickey out of herself yeah, while she's doing this totally and there'll be other famous people there also taking the mix so. and will these other famous people be doing the cooking are they teaching her to do stuff I think so yes Yeah. no word on who's joining her but we'll see 
Yeah. Okay. We'll see. Any idea when that's going to be released? Uh, it's August, I think. August this year. Globally, okay. Well, so then she's not going to move wait. on. Then that's yeah. not that's not too far away. Mm. Uh, thank you all very much as ever, Dean uh, and uh, Fanula and Esther. Our production team today: uh, Dara Faulkner, Stephen McLoon, and Aidan McKelvey. Kieran's up next on News Talk. We'll talk to you tomorrow at. Uh, we'll talk to you on Monday at two o'clock. See you then. Movies and booze on Moncrief. Brought to you by Lidl's award-winning wine range. Lidl. More for you. Enjoy alcohol sensibly. Visit drinkaware.ie.